What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodger fans? And thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by Fansided. This is Kevin Klein here. And if my voice sounds very upbeat and joyous right now, well, that's because I'm in a very good mood because the Los Angeles Dodgers are 34 and 22. They're one game away from May being in the books. And thus, to this point, as we're recording May 30th, Tuesday evening, the Dodgers have just been absolutely crushing in the month of May. I mean, They've put up 167 runs over 27 games. You want to know how many runs a game that is, Jake? 6.2 runs a game is what they're scoring in May. And it feels like it. Absolutely. And their their record right now is 18 and 9. I honestly thought when the Dodgers were 15 and 13 in the month of April and looking at how tough the strength of schedule was, if they had finished just a couple games above 500 in the month of May, I would have been thrilled. But 18 to 9, 6.2 runs a game. The Dodgers are one game away from sweeping the Nationals, a lower level team right now because they're a bunch of caterpillars in the midst of a rebuild. They got Noah Syndergaard going against Patrick Corbin tomorrow. We'll get into a little bit of Noah Syndergaard right now. But I think this show has to get off on the right foot. And it starts with the Dodgers offense and in two per- two hitters in particular that really shine this month, Freddie Freeman and J.D. Martinez. So, Jake Reiner, before I go into a bunch of stats, I'm going to pass it over to you to get your thoughts, and maybe you'll hit us with some interesting numbers as well. The veterans are carrying this offense, and it is so beautiful to see Jason Hayward also with a home run tonight as we're recording Tuesday night. But what a joy. I tweeted this out a while back, but it still reigns reigns true, which is what a joy it is to watch Freddie Freeman play baseball. There is not an aspect of his game that I don't enjoy. Defense, power, doubles, 
stolen bases, always taking the extra base, never takes a game off, never takes a play off. And that to me, even though, even though the Dodgers lost 11 to 10 to the Rays because Freddie Freeman didn't sprint over to the bag, but that was hardly his fault altogether. We'll get into that game. I'm sure. Um, as we talk about Gavin stone, but, um, just an absolute monster. And yeah, I have some numbers to share on that. I mean, the fact is he has over a thousand OPS on the season and he's hitting 344 uh for the entire year. But the last seven games, he's hitting 448 and he has a home run and four RBIs. He's in the midst of a, a pretty crazy hitting streak, if I'm not mistaken. Kevin. 19. 19 game hitting streak. And he's just been an absolute delight uh at the top of the order. And then you got JD Martinez who has 12 home runs feels like just dingers wasn't just a cheesy nickname to call him, but it's actually coming true because it feels like every time he comes up there, he hits a home run. I mean, he's always coming through when you need him to. Um, and over the last seven games, he's hitting 333, four home runs. He's at, he has seven home runs in his last 15 games. I mean, he's just on an absolute tear 922 OPS for the season. Um, not all, you can't say enough about these guys. I mean, what a bargain JD Martinez is. We'll continue to say it. Yeah. I'll start back with Freddie Freeman because there's just so much to say about him, but obviously we can't make the entire show about him. He's top five in all of major league baseball and war, uh, by tomorrow because he just had a four hit night. He'll probably be tied with Sean Murphy. If I had to guess with a 2.8 war, he has been insane in the month of May one game away, so these numbers could change a little bit. But right now we're looking at a 396, 398 batting average in May, 24 extra base hits. So that's essentially one extra base hit a game, 1,187 OPS. And then you read out his um, major league stats for the full 2023 season. So if you want to hear that again, just rewind 30 seconds and you can hear Jake read that off. And then J.D. Martinez who signed to the Dodgers on a one-year $10 million deal. And he basically bet on himself in two factors. One, he wants to win. He knows this organization is primed to potentially win and will compete for a World Series this year. But I feel like in his back pocket, he has one big payday left in his mind. And he probably could fetch, at the rate he's going, a three-year contract, a la what Justin Turner did just a couple seasons ago. Um, in the month of May, he has also been a man on fire, I'm talking a 310 batting average, eight home runs. He leads the National League in slugging, 610 slugging. He's been a monster with 12 home runs, 39 RBIs. I mean, if you look at the pace he's going on, he's on pace to hit like 40-something home runs and driving 120 Dodgers. And he was out for at least a week, right? I mean, he missed he missed significant time. Yeah, he missed, I think, a full week with the little back injury. And what's also just interesting about his season is he's been pretty reverse splits. Uh, a lefty masher for his career is only hitting 171 against lefties this season. He's doing all his damage against righties. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable uh, what he's been able to produce. A few other things about Freddie Freeman that I was just looking at. He's the only player in the National League with an OPS over 1,000, and he leads the majors in doubles with 23 the next best guy is Matt Chapman for the Blue Jays at 19. So 
it's just unbelievable. The one thing that I did want to comment about this offense, if I could real quick overall, is the fact that last year, even though the offense was good, it almost felt like the pitching was the thing that kept the Dodgers in every single game. I mean, they were the, the bullpen was untouchable. The starting rotation was durable for the most part, uh, aside from Dustin May and Walker Bueller, but the rest of the guys that filled in kind of stuck around. And this year it's the, the offense is just carrying. And even when they struggled on the road trip in Atlanta, they even struggled a little bit in Tampa Bay. Um, or I, sorry, not in Atlanta, I should say St. Louis, um, they were scoring runs. It wasn't like they were getting shut out or scoring one run, couldn't get anything going. Like It felt like there were stretches last year where the offense kind of did that, and especially in the postseason. But this offense is clicking every single night. And even that game, that crazy you know, end of the series rubber match in, in Tampa Bay, you, you score 10 runs off the Tampa Bay Rays as good as they're playing. You expect to win, obviously. And the fact that they lost that game is kind of crazy. Uh, and again, we'll get into that. But it, yes, they're hitting the home run. I mean, they're, you know, tops in baseball in, in team home runs. But they're also manufacturing runs a lot, too, which has been awesome. Uh, sack flies, moving the runner over. We've seen Will Smith time and time again just kind of go with the pitch and slap the ball to right field. Um, they're doing the little things that put up big crooked numbers each and every night. Yeah. 93 home runs is an NL best 313 runs scores scored is an NL best 839 OPS with runners in scoring position is a third, third tops in all of major league baseball. So like you were just pointing out, this team has been really good in tough situations. The Tampa Bay game, which we're going to get into in just a couple minutes, Definitely have some thoughts on that. But a common theme that's been kind of nice with this team is even if the pitchers are ass, the offense seems to be there most nights. There were yep. some bad games against St. Louis. They still put up runs early in the season against the Arizona Diamondbacks where like Michael Grove gave up 10 runs or whatever. Dodgers offense and Noah Syndergaard got shelled too. Dodgers offense was there. So even when the pitching isn't up to standard, the Dodgers bats are keeping them in the game. And then it's just the bullpen and starters are getting lit up. But they're going to patch that up, no doubt about it. Back to the hitting front, though. A couple other standouts. You gave them some love at the very start. Jason Hayward has been a really excellent bench piece for the Dodgers thus far. And I just kind of think the intangibles that he's bringing, the defense, stuff we don't see. Throwing guys out at the plate. Yeah, he has an arm. The leadership that you don't really get to see, but you know that it's certainly a factor in the clubhouse. I don't think he's going anywhere. They're going to find a way to keep him on the team this entire season. He seems just too valuable with those intangibles in a great locker room guy. His batting average is up to 230 with six home runs, 830 OPS on the season, six home runs. He's hitting, he's got a 478 on base over his last seven games. So not bad for a spring training invite that the Cubs are paying his $20 million salary salary. And then David Peralta, though he's only hitting 228 on the year, he actually had a really nice May. He's close to hitting 300 with a 295 batting average. 
Those are I mean, standards. I did say, Kevin, to just wait on David Peralta. Just give him a little bit of time, and he's rewarding me handsomely. I I really just love not only the same reasons why you love Jason Hayward on this team, I also love David Peralta, and it feels like I've seen some interviews or some maybe it's a backstage Dodgers episode, I can't remember, but David Peralta is sort of that cheerleader on the bench. But unlike Hanser Alberto, he's actually producing at the plate, which is really nice. So I, I just I just love having those those guys on the team. And two position players that can't wait for the month of May to end for the Dodgers. It starts with James Altman, who's batting 165 in May. It's just been a nightmare for him. 34 strikeouts over 79 at bats, 552 OPS. The rookie wonder who had a big grand slam against the twins really hasn't had anything else to show for the month of May. And then the other guy who I know you believe in, but I don't trace Thompson, who was in the midst of an 0 for 39 slump finally broke, broke out of it against Josh Fleming in that crazy raise game where he had three hits and a home run. But I mean, this race starter gave up like 10 runs over six innings. So I don't know what to make of it, but as trace Thompson said, he's ready to bring out the champagne. I still hmm. don't think he has much of a leash left, but at least he has something now. But yeah, I think James Altman is more the focus. Just a really horrendous month for the the rookie. Yeah, and obviously they're finding some holes in his swing. Definitely the high high and tight, but I'm seeing a lot of swing and miss at balls that just like like sinkers and sliders that are just kind of diving at his at his knees. Um, he, he's not making he's not making contact and. Even some even even some pitches that are kind of right down the middle, he's just he's just whiffing. It just it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's a mechanical issue or um some they figured something out about him. I mean, we knew the strikeout was going to be there. It just I think because of the strikeout with him, because that's such an issue when he's slumping, it's really magnified. And I'm not making you know, all the excuses in the world for him, but I'm just putting it into perspective here that if anybody is worried about James Altman, just put that into perspective and, and, and just, and just cut him, cut him some slack because he is very, very valuable. I mean, we saw defensively, he robbed a home run recently um, and definitely with his speed, he he's, he's very much value added to this team. And guess what? The Dodgers are winning games. They can afford to have guys go through slumps and figure it out. They can afford to send Trace Thompson up there and almost break Chris Davis's record. You know, the entire time that was going on, it wasn't like the Dodgers were, were you know, just mired in mediocrity like the San Diego Padres are at the moment. They they were able to to weather that storm because the rest of the guys are producing. Let's go from one struggling rookie to another, although I don't think struggling could even be the start of what's going on with this particular guy that I'm about to get into. I don't know what what a good word would be, Jake, but just to paint a picture, Gavin Stone right now is a is a small kid that got stuffed into a locker, got duct taped so that he's stuck overnight. Nobody realized he was there until uh, two days later, he finally gets out. Because this guy is getting his ass kicked. And full disclosure, I'm about as high of a Gavin Stone believer as any other Dodger fan out there. So no, I am not writing off his career. I want to get that out there. But this has been bad. 
no, this has been really, really, really dumpster fire in a hurricane. Fire still going despite all the rain. This has been a pure disaster. And I don't know if it's mental. I think it's mental because the stuff is good. But right now, Gavin Stone over three starts had a 1440 ERA, a three whip. Opponents are hitting 588 against his four seamer, 364 against his changeup, 417 against his slider. That Peacock game where the Dodgers lost 11 to 10, if they had had at least a competent starter, if they had had Mitch White pitch for them last season, they would have won that game handily 10 to 5, 10 to 7, whatever. But this was bad. I'd never seen a guy on the Dodgers give up 10 hits over two innings, seven runs. And yeah, I understand the Rays are maybe the best team in baseball, but if Gavin Stone is supposed to be in the postseason rotation or a factor going down the stretch, you can't have this. That was horrible. No. no. And it's sort of unfortunate for him because you've got sort of Bobby Miller right beside him, right? Getting thrown out there into the fire as well because of the injuries. Now, granted, Bobby Miller did have a t- did have a tough opponent for his first ever start against Atlanta, kind of a little bit of a cushion with the Nationals, as opposed to Gavin Stone, who who had to pitch against the Phillies, Braves, and Rays. Um, there's there's a little bit of perspective there, but yeah, it's not looking pretty. And the thing was is that I woke up early that morning to watch that Peacock game, and I was watching the game with my dad and my brother, and going into that game. Both of them have been really down on Gavin Stone. They were like, oh, this guy stinks. He's terrible. And I was sort of saying like, no, guys, wait it out. Just you'll see. He's going to dominate. You'll just watch him. Just give him a chance. And then he proceeded to get absolutely obliterated by the Rays. So I looked great. But I still haven't lost hope on him yet. Uh, It's early on in his career. He's only made three starts. He's... He may need some more seasoning. I mean, definitely need some more seasoning. And you kind of find find out what you have when they bring these guys up to the majors and you see what they do. And you have one guy like Bobby Miller, who's absolutely thrived and looks like a stud and looks like a future ace. And you got another guy, Gavin Stone, just as highly touted, just getting absolutely destroyed out there. So I think he needs some more time in the minors. It looks like that's what the plan is. Um, but I, again, like you, I'm not writing him off just yet. Yeah, I know during the first inning, you said we needed to cut him some slack, but I think even your tone changed by the second inning. Oh, where- I, I couldn't defend it anymore. I mean, there, there are, there are guys that I will die on a hill for and no matter, no matter what, but sometimes it just becomes indefensible yeah. and you can't, you can't back it up. I mean, you know, I, I, that's why, that's why I applaud David for sticking with Dave, for sticking with Mitch White for as long as he stuck with him and still does, given what we saw with him, which was not a very good pitcher. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just the, just how hard he was being hit. It wasn't like a BAPIP thing. He was getting just lit up. Yeah. That no pitcher, I've never seen a pitcher need a demotion more badly than Stone, unfortunately. And, there was no slack to cut. We were at like a very thinly sliced piece of turkey at this point <laughs> where it would just be in shrivels if you tried to cut it anymore. But hopefully he bounces back in AAA. I always say these are learning experiences. You scout out, watch the film, what went wrong. And in this case, everything went wrong and you adjust. <laughs> he throws three pitches at least. At least, you know, there's some guys that only throw two pitches 
and they both suck. At least he throws three pitches. Now he just has to perfect them. Wow, that was a lot. And so the guy that so Stone got sent down, and the guy that got called up was Alex Fessia. He earned it. He had nine consecutive scoreless outings in AAA. But Alex Fessia, you kidding me, man? <laughs> the first outing. We have a three-run lead, first pitch, basically down the middle to Cabert Ruiz, who I used to love, but he has no power. He got like the bare minimum 330-foot home run in the far left corner of left field at Dodger Stadium. First pitch home run. He couldn't even get out of the inning. Evan Phillips had to clean up his mess after he was, I think, a triple away from giving up a cycle in that inning. First and second or second and third. First and second, yeah. Evan Phillips came in with two outs cleaned up the mess and I think one or two pitches. It's been yeah, he, quite a wild ride for Alex Fessia. Are you kidding me, man? Just up and down, man. Just up and down. I mean, you think about when he first burst onto the scene, he couldn't find the plate. He was getting hit around. He couldn't figure it out. Then he went down. He came back up. It was amazing. And then this year has just been another just roller coaster uh, of a season. And he too is getting smacked around out there. I mean, just very, very hard contact. And he's not getting he's not getting his fastball by anybody. And that was sort of like his bread and butter was that he was able to throw that kind of high fastball and get guys out righties and lefties. And he's just getting getting smacked around out there. Hopefully they can work with him. But I, you know, I get it. I get it. Right. It's the Nationals. Right. And the Dodgers have a have a three run lead. But damn it, man, like ease into it. Like don't throw him into that situation. I, yes, it's high leverage and yes, it's against the nationals and all that stuff, but Jesus, I mean, after Tony Gonsolin gutted through six innings, um, you, you, you got to expect better coming out of that bullpen, especially how good the bullpen's been, how good Ferguson's been, how good Almonte's been recently. Evan Phillips is just, I, I don't even, I don't even think he's human. I mean, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. The guy, I just, I literally have no worries whenever he comes into a game. And of course he came in and cleaned up the situation. That's what he does. I mean, he's, he's a freak and I love him. Um, but yeah, the rest of the bullpen has been, been great. So Vessi, you got to step up your, you, you got to step it up, man. You just have to. Going back to Gavin Stone. Cause I don't want to forget this question from on Twitter at say it like they am one. Do the do you think the Dodgers should include Stone in a trade package? Hence, trading him while his value is still high. Well, I think the way I look at it right now is Gavin Stone is in the untouchable class. I don't even know if I'm comfortable trading him for Shohei Otani, but I guess if if it was a if it had to choose between Miller and Stone right now, and that means the Dodgers get Otani, then I guess sorry Stone, you're the you're the odd man out right now. But I wouldn't trade it for Corbin Burns. I don't think I definitely would not trade it for Dylan Cease or Shane Bieber if they end up on the market. I like your dad that you just mentioned, and a, a number of other Dodger fans already riding off Stone. He absolutely just demolished the miners last season. And we saw him in person and off spring training just strike everybody out. So I think it's too soon to write him off. He's gonna still be good. And if he isn't good then I guess I'm wrong and I'll have to accept it. And hopefully he's not a Zach Lee for Chris Taylor type of situation. I think the only situation that I would consider trading him would be for Otani. And that's pretty much it. If, if the, if it means the Dodgers get Otani and you got to throw 
Gavin Stone in there, then I would do that. But I'm like you. I, I don't think that I would want to give him. I mean, he's so highly touted. He is a top, top prospect. And Freeman just doesn't give those away um, unless it is for a prized possession that is Shohei Otani. Yeah. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As you can tell in this part of the show, we're focusing on pitchers. So let's continue. I guarantee you that Michael Grove will replace Justin Brule tomorrow, or I should say when he it's his turn in the rotation, he will start against the Yankees. You can take that to the bank. He will be in the Dodgers rotation. That's tough, man. They have to because you I know they don't have a choice, but and, and we already know that Bobby Miller's going against the Yankees too. Yes. Yeah, so I was about to get there. Dave Roberts has, unofficially confirmed that Bobby Miller will be in the rotation for the foreseeable future. Hence he has taken Dustin May's spot. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who we got to get, get into now. It's been really, really bumpy for Noah Syndergaard. I don't want to say that tomorrow is a do or die game for him because at this point, the Dodgers need him because they just don't have the depth. But man, Noah Syndergaard has been pretty rough to watch. 627 ERA. At least he's at home where he's much better, 350 ERA, because on the road he has a 10 ERA, which is one of the worst I've ever seen, and opponents are hitting 300 against him. I don't know what your thoughts are on Jake. We talk about him a lot, but... Yeah, I was just about to say, I was just about to say, the amount of, the amount of times we bring him up on this podcast in a negative way... The new Kimbrel. You know something bad is going on, and pretty consistently bad. It's been a it's been rough, man. It really has. He just doesn't have the velocity. Every time a runner gets on base, it turns into a freaking double or a triple, depending on what the hit is. But if he walks a guy, 
that's pretty much it. He's on second. The Dodgers have given up, I think, the major leagues, you know, most amount of stolen bases. And they they steal pretty much the least amount of bases, which is kind of a weird discrepancy. But like I've been saying this whole time, the Dodgers are not a very fast team. Um, and, and Mookie Betts is your leadoff hitter, and he has a grand total of two stolen bases this year. So that's that's something that they would need to they need to address at some point. But on the other side of things, Noah Syndergaard has been very underwhelming. And it's unfortunate that the Dodgers rotation has taken this much of a hit, the injury wise, to where they have to continue to throw him out there. Um, but like you said, he is good at home. He's facing a really bad Nationals team and a really bad overpaid Patrick Corbin. So if there's any situation for him to thrive, these are the perfect circumstances for Noah Syndergaard to have a good outing. If he doesn't have a good outing in these sets of circumstances, then all hope is lost. All of the parameters I just set out, he should be good. Let's see what happens. Couldn't agree more. It's uh, he's on a bandaid at this point. Once Urias comes back, they probably have to consider It'll come down to Grover Syndergaard, I guess. I don't know where they'll lean, but this start will definitely tell us a lot where the Dodgers go moving forward. Um, where was? Oh yeah, I had I have to I have to mention this because I was kind of hyping him up during spring training, and he he made the Dodgers fear the seer. Well, he was fried. Tyler Sear, after two <laughs> pretty impressive outings, went yeah, on the I IL. Him. He went on the IL. The 60-day IL, nonetheless. So he'll be out for the bulk of the season now. The for Dodgers... the foreseeable future. Yeah. <laughs> so that sucks because I kind of was hoping he would be something with the inconsistencies of Phil Bickford, who after his amazing three-inning Olympic medal performance has gone back to the uh, bad Bickford, giving up runs left and right in every outing. And then yeah, let's Alman- not let him off the hook in that in that Rays game because he came in and just got absolutely shelled as well. I think he got three or four runs. Yeah, he is on the hottest of hot seats. Once uh, Daniel Hudson comes back, who is starting to throw now, that'll be his replacement. Thing, but here's the thing about Bickford. He never gets hurt. He's got a rubber arm. They throw him out there in garbage time. You just can't put him in there when the game counts, when the game matters in high leverage. So he does fill a role. He just needs to be better. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around that. I mean, he has, he has been like two versions of himself the whole season. And you didn't, you don't know what version you're going to get every time he goes out there, but he does serve a purpose. And Roberts likes to have that kind of rubber arm guy that he just throws out there and he does have a rubber arm, but Man, he he needs to tighten it up a little bit because I I agree he he is on the hot seat. Yeah, you need a guy like Bickford in your bullpen, but like you just said, they're using him in high leverage spots, and he's just not that guy. Shelby Miller's been better than him, and I feel like Bickford's getting higher leverage spots than Shelby Miller. Yeah, that is a head scratcher because Shelby Miller's actually been pretty impressive. And then the Dodgers made another move. He's in the minors right now. They claimed. Reliever Zach Birdie, who was DFA'd by the Tampa Bay Rays, actually during the start of that race series, hasn't been good so far. 11.25 ERA over four innings pitched. 
But some of the underlying stuff looks kind of impressive. He's in the 98th top percentile in fastball spin rate. He throws 96 miles per hour as well, throws a slider. And I'm just holding out hope here that the last time the Dodgers claimed a reliever off the scrap heap that came from the Tampa Bay Rays, his name was Evan Phillips. He's definitely got the perfect Andrew Friedman makeup, doesn't he? Just high velocity, great spin rate. The tools are there. They just haven't been able to hone them in. Let's send him to the prior lab and see what happens. Absolutely. One more fan question. Then we're going to shift gears and talk some New York Yankees Dodgers series coming up. But I like this question coming from SD Dodger Dave on Twitter. When do we see Landon Knack? That's a good question. What do you think? Landon Knack is 25. He's been with the Dodgers, I believe, as long as Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. He's part of that same draft class. Um, He was pitching really well up until actually tonight, where I think he gave up six runs. But on the season, he has like a 220 ERA. They'd have to add him to the 40 man. He is actually one of two names that I do think could potentially spot start for the Dodgers this season. And I guess at this point, how we would see Landon Knack get a call up is another injury, which is absolutely something we cannot afford to have. But if Noah Syndergaard, let's just say, gives up 10 runs tomorrow, maybe they call up Landon Knack. So that's one guy that I think to watch out for. I will say, though, he's been with the Dodgers for quite some time. He's only in double A. I don't know if the Dodgers are trying to build his trade value because they have so many great pitching prospects, like six of them in double A. But the guy that I'm actually more excited about is Emmett Sheehan. This guy is going to make the Dodgers this season. Unless something falls off the rails, he's going to have a role. And it's probably most likely out of the bullpen later in the season when the uh, Tulsa season or AAA, because they'll probably get called up at this point, is getting to a close. This is like Adam Wainwright vibes where they could, or David Price, where they could utilize him out of the pen, go multiple innings. I mean, he's not a top hundred prospect yet, but he certainly will be with a 164 ERA, 76 strikeouts over 44 innings thrown. That is insane K rate. And the experts are saying that you can make a case that he has the best pure stuff in all the minors right now. Yeah, he's looking really impressive. And one of our guests on the podcast not too long ago, Nick Nestrini, was talking about him and hyping him up. So he saw something in him, and I hopefully we'll get to see something in him soon. In order, so he's not on the forty man either, right? No. So it would it would need to be another injury, or if there were eight, if there were guys that were eligible to be transferred to the 60 day um, that might work too. But yeah, I mean, that's what's so great about the depth of this team is that they have all these studs just waiting and that would, you know, for all intents and purposes, be in the rotations of some of these other teams around the league. But the Dodgers are, are trusting their rookies and I love it. I mean, I just love it offensively pitching they're they're just like look let's just show off our our farm system and it's working and i i I love to see it and how great is it to be able to feature your farm system like this in not a rebuild year i mean this is a team built to win now 
So you're not seeing these guys because the team isn't doing well and they had nobody else to fill out the roster. You're seeing these guys help win games. Um, so it's it's a really exciting time when we have all these studs just waiting in the wings. Yeah, I mean, they have a top three, top two, depending what site you read, farm system still, and they're in the playoffs every year. And it's not like they're getting these guys in the first round. They just have the best scouting arguably out there in the in the sport. So it's it's should be a book, honestly, of what they're doing. Like, yeah, make us a movie or a book, because I think this is underappreciated unless you're one of those guys that live and breathe pipeline and, and farm system reading rankings and all that. Mm-hmm. I saved the best for last, though, because I don't want him to be forgotten as we wrap up Dodgers pitchers. We're a third of the way through the season. How about Tony Gonsolin? Three and one now, 177 ERA. He's made seven starts. Opponents are hitting 151 against him. I said when both of you and David were frustrated why he was out all of April, I said it's not going to matter if he's available in April or not. Once he comes back, it'll be well worth the wait. And we got him back, I think, actually at the end of April. And so far, he is looking like an all-star yet again. A healthy Tony Gonsolin is a great pitcher. I've always felt that way. I was on the Tony Gonsolin train in 2020 when he burst onto the scene and kind of surprised everyone with how good he was and how consistent he was. His ERA is consistently under two. It's unreal. I've never seen anything like it. And I just hope he stays healthy. That's the only thing that I've had an issue with him is his availability. Um, both in the regular season, but more importantly in the postseason. So I'm really hoping that this is the year we get to see him really take the next step in not only staying healthy in the regular season, but being ready for the postseason. Because he he's a workhorse. He's a dog. He 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 is um a really valuable member of this rotation. Absolutely. Yeah, he has a 242 career ERA, which is Hall of Fame like? I mean, for perspective, Clayton Kershaw has a 250 career ERA, but obviously the body of work, the length of time, the Cy Youngs, the 250 ERA is going to stand out to what Gonsolin's done in a much shorter span. But the point is that when Gonsolin is out there healthy, he is basically a Hall of Famer. He keeps you in every game. And yes, everyone's going to say, but he doesn't show up in the playoffs. Well, hopefully this is the year where he can flip that narrative and the skeptics can now become believers. All right. So once the Dodgers are done with the Nationals, they're going to have an off day Thursday. And this is the series that I think most Dodger fans are just getting really excited for. And if you're still looking to buy tickets to go to the Dodgers and Yankees series, which kicks off Friday and ends Sunday, there's no better place to go right now than TickPick to get no service fees at checkout. And I've already compared it with multiple websites out there. You know the big ones. TickPick has better prices. So if you're looking to get those Dodger Yankees tickets, go to TickPick. There's no service fees at checkout. And I think Jake's on board with me. This is going to be a really exciting series. I'm about to read you guys these pitching matchups, and I'm foaming at the mouth. Oh, yeah. It's it's always special when the Yankees come to town. They don't come to town that all year. But um, I'm super pumped for this series because it always, always brings the fire, especially when you got the two big media markets, L.A. and New York, battling it out. Right. 
I don't think the Yankees and Dodgers have actually played each other since 2019. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Yankees came out to Dodger Stadium that year as well. And that that it seems like the I feel like that was the year where they had those um those weird like oh it was like the players the players weekend jerseys I remember. Yeah, you're right. They the Yankees took two or three. Gonsolin, I think, actually did the best. I think he might have been the only win. I think Ryu got bogged and Kershaw got a little beat up. So I guess the Dodgers haven't been to Yankee Stadium since. Maybe, I don't know, maybe COVID threw it off or I don't know. Yeah. But, any, but anyways, David would say that the Yankees are frauds despite them reaching the ALCS last season. So I don't really know what that means. But the Yankees, they're a pretty good team. Are they the World Series favorites right now? Probably not, but I mean they're 34 and 23. The Dodgers are 34 and 22. So right now they're pretty evenly matched. Yankees play in a pretty tough division. Everyone's above 500 too. So it's not like the Yankees are just abusing an NL Central or AL Central. They're holding their own. And so Jake, here are the pitching matchups. We've got Clayton Kershaw against Luis Severino in game one. Severino's finally healthy, I guess. He's made two starts, has a 159 ERA. Then I'm alleging that Michael Grove will pitch Saturday and he's lined up to face Garrett Cole, who's off to a pretty great start. And you welcome argue, back, Michael. <laughs> you could argue he is the front runner along with maybe McClanahan for the AL Cy Young right now. He's six and oh with a 293 ERA, 79 strikeouts. And then the final game. Wow. Talk about in the moment. Bobby Miller will take the ball and he's facing Domingo Herman who's pretty fresh coming off his 10 game suspension where he pulled a Max Scherzer and used some banned sticky stuff substance to gain an edge. But it's a second start back since then. He's got a 398 ERA on the season. So we can start with this. Any of these pitching matchups you're eager about or just comment any thoughts you wanted to spew out there. Dodgers, Yankees in general. I don't know if you're a historian, whatnot. Kershaw versus Severino is a great matchup. I'm really, really excited to see that. And then obviously I want to see Bobby Miller against the Yankees and see what he does. We saw what he did against the Braves and it was great. And we saw what he did against the Nationals, even though we kind of expected it. But the one that's kind of eh, is the Michael Grove potential start. I mean, I was it would be nice if we had Gonsolin lined up, but yeah, this is going to be exciting. These are evenly matched teams. And the Yankees, like you mentioned, are playing in the toughest division in baseball. I would have never expected the Orioles to be 35 and 20. The Rays are the best team in baseball. Then at the bottom of the division, you mentioned all the teams are over 500. You got the Blue Jays and the Red Sox that you know are three games and two games above 500, respectively. So the Yankees are in the middle of the pack. They got a real dogfight on their hands to to win that division or, or, you know, at the very least make the playoffs as, as the wildcard team. But yeah, so they've been playing some tough competition. The Dodgers are tough competition. They're going to be on the road. There's good. It's going to be a raucous environment. Um, and I think, I think the Dodgers are going to win two out of three though. I really do. I mean, they're really clicking and they've got some decent, they've got two out of two of their three best starters going right now out of the three that are going and with the way this offense is clicking, it's been great. And to kind of have this sort of very nice cushion that is the Washington nationals 
to support them coming back from a pretty tough road trip. I think they're lined up pretty well. Yeah, you mentioned the road trip where the Dodgers went four and six, but it felt like they played a lot better than that record indicated. What well, I love the about bats were great. Yeah. What I love about Bobby Miller is he openly said with full confidence, he doesn't get scared when he goes out there. I don't know why anyone would ask him, you know, you feel nervous or anything, but he just uh candidly said, I don't get scared. So this is gonna be a nationally televised game, I believe, on Fox. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe that's Saturday, but I, I think know. I think Fox is the Saturday game and ESPN is a Sunday game. Okay, that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Biggest stage at this point in his career, so that will be very exciting. I mean, what more is there to say about Bobby Miller other than this guy is the next generation Walker Bueller? Obviously, with the Yankees offense, everyone's going to talk about Aaron Judge, and rightfully so. He is having a great follow up campaign. He's like on the same home run pace currently, 18 home runs with 1,100 OPS. He just hits anybody. Would not be surprised if he takes even Clayton Kershaw deep, but you want to talk about a marquee matchup right there. It's Clayton Kershaw against Aaron Judge. Mm -hmm. That will be pretty uh, special. And then, I mean, other Yankees hitters, they've got some guys. Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo's got 11 home runs. Glaber Torres, nine home runs. The rookie, Anthony Volpe's got eight home runs despite hitting 200. We'll note that one of their hot hitters, Harrison Bader, did land on the IL, but they're expecting John Carlos Stanton to return for the series. Of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Everybody magically gets healthy just in time for the Dodgers. Somehow Bryce Harper accelerated his return. By <laughs> yeah, that months. was I was trying to remember, I was trying, I was like, I think there was a recent one where it's just like, oh, of course, coming back from Tommy John, right? The face coming to face the Dodgers. There's been some someone who's tested positive for COVID, and then they came back magically like two days later. Max Scherzer, he got scratched and then he had to face the Dodgers, but he cheated, so that was hilarious. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, other little things to note with the Yankees that kind of tie to the Dodgers. Tommy Canelin has Canely has yet to pitch this season. He's been on the 60-day IL. There is optimism that he might return in this series against the Dodgers. Oh, my God. But who cares? I mean, he hasn't pitched all year. And then uh, this is a throwback name, but they've been using him this season. Willie Cahoon has Willie, sorry, Willie Calhoun has been kind of a little spark plug for the Yankees. Had a little magical week where he had like two or three home runs, but has cooled off. But 728 OPS. Talk about a guy that we at one point thought was going to be one of their the Dodgers' next big hitters, but they traded him for you Darvish, and rightfully so. He hasn't exactly panned out. That's what it was. I was trying to think who we traded him for, but yeah, Willie Calhoun, former former Dodger. Yeah, he, he's kind of it's kind of interesting the what he's what he's been able to do with the plate for the for the Yankees. Uh given their kind of stacked offense that he's actually a bright spot. Yeah. I mean, these game plan notes sound pretty simple, but 
they got to work these starting pitchers. They got to make them throw, especially in the first three innings. They got to make them stress. And I want to see at least 15 to 20 pitches per inning because this Yankees bullpen has been pretty solid. I mean, Michael King is arguably their best reliever. Uh, Clay Holmes hasn't been as dominant like he was a year ago, but he's still a dude. They got Alberta Bray, who's been who's been solid as well. Uh, I think the Yankees, if they have a lead on you, they don't usually give it up. So these are going to be some tightly contested games. I am pretty scared about Aaron Judge. I don't know how the Dodgers game plan is going to be against uh, how to face him. Probably will hit one home run in Dodger Stadium, but maybe that's to be expected. Yeah. No, it's it's going to be. I mean, the Dodgers have been tested so far this season with top tier teams having to face the Braves, Rays, and now Yankees. They did pretty well against Atlanta. And I think that they played really well against Tampa Bay, even though they lost two out of three. So if they continue to play that they're going the, the way that they've been playing over the last couple weeks, they've got a great shot to win all three of these games. Um, they just Absolutely. have to continue to be consistent and take runs where they can get them, manufacture runs. Not wait for the three-run homer because that the power will be there. It's a very powerful team, but will they be able to take the extra base and scratch out a run here, sack fly, move a runner over, that sort of thing like they've been doing? Yeah. Any other thoughts on this Yankee series? What do you what's your prediction? I'm predicting two out of three. I agree. I think two out of three is what will happen. I'm not too confident about that Cole versus Grove matchup. I definitely think that could be the loss, but I, I feel good about Kershaw. He's had yeah, three. You know, but what's, what's weird is that like that obviously would be the loss, right? But you know, it's going to be some other game and they'll, they may even weirdly win that one. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I just know that they're going to drop at least one of these games. Yeah. I mean, Kershaw's had three kind of skittish starts in a row. He's due for a major bounce back. And what better way to turn it around against the Yankees who, I mean, historically he's actually done pretty well against them. And then um, I don't want to say they're going to lose the Bobby Miller game. So that's just kind of where my head's at. Yeah. So I guess they have another off day Monday. So Dodgers get some rest, but in years past, you would have been like, all right, they're facing the Reds. Three easy games other than I think 2018 were that stupid year where they lost like both series to the Reds, both series to the Marlins were 10 games below 500, but then turned it on. Dodgers usually own the Reds, but I will say they're not the same shitty Reds team that they've been in years past. They're oh, actually they're scrappy. Exactly. They're 25 and 29. They're in that phase now where they've started to hoard hoarded and they're calling up all their top prospects and they're doing things starts with Hunter green, who they're absolutely going to face. He is lined up to be the first game in the series, even though he's one and four and a four eighteen ERA, he still has 80 strikeouts over 56 innings thrown. Just Dodgers got to him last year though. If I remember correctly, they did. And I mean, he was still relatively at the beginning of his career and I think he was starting to get fatigued. So they got him at the right time. And I mean, that could very well happen again, but I think he's a lot more polished now. Um, he certainly looks a lot better with the strikeout rate as well. But yeah, I mean, Jonathan, they... Jonathan India is having a great good year. 
he is, but a little drama with him going on, which I'm going to get to in a second. Um, the other two starters, it's not really worth mentioning. No Syndergaard is lined up right now to go in Cincinnati. So that could be horrendous. Um, but yeah, I, I like the Hunter Green matchup. I think this is a good spot test start for the Dodgers. I mean, I don't think anyone throws harder than him on an average fastball velocity average. He's, I think, averages 100 consistently. Um, but this Reds lineup, I mean, Spencer Steers taking over for Joey Votto. He's batting 288 with seven home runs. Jake Fraley, talk about scrappy. There's your scrappy hitter right there. Can do it all. Has a glove as well. One of the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball and a UCLA alum has cracked the red starting lineup. He's now their shortstop, Matt McClain, and he's off to a good start. Two home runs, 983 OPS, hitting like 350. But there's rumors really floating along right now that they might call up their number one top prospect, and he's, I think, top five in the sport. Ellie De La Cruz, who has just been on fire in AAA, has 11 home runs, hit a walk-off. I think it might be tonight when we record. He hit, he hit a, like a walk-off two- or three-run home run. And you mentioned Jonathan India, Jonathan India, who's been pretty solid for him. There's talks that he might be on the trade market because there's nowhere for them to start him once De La Cruz gets called up. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, he's kind of like the Starlin Castro of the Cubs years back where... He was like the stopgap. Then they called up Baez, Chris Bryant. They could, they could get a lot for him. I mean, with the way he's played the past few seasons, did he win? Did he win Rookie of the Year? Or he, did he did? Yeah. So he, uh, if they're trading him, they could probably get a lot back for him. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking about. They definitely should flip him for some starting pitching because I think that's the next thing this Reds team needs to you know, add up, load up on, by the way, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say this since you mentioned that there was an off day on Monday, this is the series, the Yankees series where I want to see our best arms out of the pen pretty much every day. If, if it calls for it, if the Dodgers are close ahead by not a lot or tied, like I, I, I want to empty the tank of this bullpen. I mean, with the, with the off day coming Monday, and then the and then facing the Reds, you can sort of ease off of that. I just I just hope those guys, Phillips, Gratterall, uh, Ferguson, Almonte. I hope those guys are good to go all three games. Hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, the Reds got yeah, but the Reds anyways. T.J. Friedel is another guy who's been good, batting three twenty six. Cincinnati is a, a true hitter's ballpark, so that'll be an interesting series for the Dodgers, but. I mean, everyone cares about this Yankee series. I mean, for good reason. I would love to see another Dodgers-Yankees World Series in my lifetime because there hasn't been one since 1981, and that's like 40 years ago. I don't know if that'll happen anytime soon, but it's still fun regular season baseball regardless. Uh, anything baseball topic-wise you wanted to cover real quick, Jake, or anything around the sport or questions you had before I close it out with one other topic no i mean the one thought that i did have was i'm ready for robot umpires i'm ready for a, an automatic strike zone some of these calls are absolutely horrendous 
And we've seen it play out in the minor leagues where it doesn't really waste that much time. The umpire's an earpiece. And it just would would clear up a lot of this confusion. I mean, we saw how the game ended. One of the games ended in St. Louis where the Dodgers had the tying run on base and the winning run at the plate with Mookie Betts and a strike three call that was nowhere near the plate ended the game. And I just I, I just hate seeing that. I mean, we've we've altered the game in a lot of different ways when we've seen that there are certain shortcomings, you know, with replay and that sort of thing. And the pitch clock has been great, as we've all noted, and all of that stuff. I think it's I, I really hope that that we're moving towards that because the, this the strike zone is just killing me. I used to be a big keep keep the umpires, you know, there's the human element. Oh, yeah. Keep them there. You know, but don't eliminate no, the home plate umpire altogether. But but now I am on board. My tone has really shifted with just how terrible these officiate officials are. Robot umpires all the way. Just get the calls right. It's just it's been it's time. Yeah, exactly. All right. Last segment. Then we'll do our final thoughts. We wouldn't want to short you guys because David's not here. So we will do an idiot of the week. And this week. The idiot of the week has to be the Houston Astros. Sorry if you wanted me to go with a different direction, but I'm not going to do it. We're going with the Houston Astros for this tweet and this one tweet alone. This happened two, three days ago. They were facing the Oakland Athletics. They were wiping the floor with them, whatever. But the Astros social media person thought they'd be clever and tweet out on a Jordan Alvarez home run along with that video, 10 runs in front of tens of fans. Who do you think you are, Houston? You think you're better than the Oakland Athletics? You want to kick them while they're down? Well, I got news for you guys. First of all, historically, the Oakland Athletics are a far more accomplished franchise than you sorry-ass Houston Astros will ever be. You got your one World Series, and now you think you're cocky and you can talk shit about all the other franchises? You, you're a laughing stock just two years ago with your cheating scandal that you got off the hook with. Then you got Ben Verlander who will suck your dick no matter what you guys do. So you got that going for you. But you decide to pick on, of all teams, the Oakland Athletics who are about as low as it gets right now. They're moving to Vegas. I want them to move to Vegas because I'd rather see a baseball game in Las Vegas any day other over Oakland anyways. But this isn't cool. I mean, what have the A's ever done to you guys? They're just, they play the game the right way when they're out there because they don't cheat. They've never been involved in anything other than steroids, I guess, illegal from what I can account for. And your guys are in the same division, but I feel like the Astros and athletics are as friendly as it gets. So this is the route you guys want to go, Houston. Well, it backfired. No one really thought it was funny mm-hmm. except for loser Astro fans. And we'll see how you look in October because I can guarantee you're not going to be putting up 10 runs in front of 50,000 fans. Also, the fact that they're going after the fans in that tweet is just so low because it's not the fans' fault. It's the ownership's fault for not putting a damn team on the field. I mean, look at this freaking team. 
They're 12 and 45. That's horrendous. What? Who would go to watch that team anyway? I just don't understand like dancing on their grave like that. It's just so dumb. Also, it's like no great accomplishment that you beat the A's. You're supposed to beat the A's. You're one of the top teams in the American League. You're supposed to beat them. I don't understand. It was so stupid. It's like, yeah, ha ha, in front of tens of fans or whatever. But it's like, you put that in context, it's like, it. it's not, the, the, the fans aren't showing up. It's not like in Tampa Bay, we got the number one team in baseball and, the, and, and there's 12,000 fans there. I mean, come on. That's where you should criticize the fans. When your team is good, you don't freaking show up. The Oakland A's are historically are, are a great franchise, you know, hard hat, lunch pail type of teams year in and year out and a great fan base. You know, the Oakland A's fans at the height of the sort of money ball powers, right? I mean, yeah. those are some raucous freaking crowds and they always found a way to freaking make the playoffs. And now they've, they've gutted the team so badly. They're playing so poorly, which by the way, it's so crazy that, that they were able to take the first two games of that brave series just randomly, but to go off to their fans like that, it's just dumb. So stupid. And I believe the athletics are second in the American league for most pennants ever. So it's not like they're some low life franchise. They've, like I said, they've been very well accomplished. And when you talk about classic baseball teams, I mean, the athletics are right there in the conversation. You got, the 1988 World Series for crying out loud, which was a way more commendable World Series in hindsight than the 2017 World Series, because at least both teams, although a couple guys were probably juicing, but regardless, wasn't banned back then. No Didn't they was, win it in 89? They Yes, they followed up and won it in 89. I mean, come on. Just doesn't surprise me Any. The Houston Astros do something distasteful every month, and that's why I can't stand <laughs> them. I'm glad they got their one World Series out of the way because I feel like that allowed ownership and management, and they let the GM walk. Who was his click or was who was the? Yeah, they let him walk after they won the World Series, and they let Verlander walk. So James they, Click. Yeah, they let their uh, they took their foot off the gas. They're still relatively solid, but they're not all in now because they got the one title after losing like five world series in seven years or whatever, almost Buffalo bills territory, Mm -hmm. but final thoughts. Here we go. Looking at June real quick for the Dodgers, Yankees reds at Phillies white Sox, giants who have been playing better than Padres. I will note that two against the angels, three against the Astros. Then they got three. Finally, in cores at the Rockies, and then they're going to play the Royals at the very end of June. Kind of a balanced schedule for the Dodgers. Some good teams, some really bad teams. I mean, by the time we are at July 1st, I think the Dodgers should at least gain another two or three games in the standings. Arizona Diamondbacks right now are our biggest competition. I think they're they just seem a- legit so far. Yeah, I mean, they're for sure a playoff team as their current pace goes but I would hope by July 1st, we're up at least three or four games on Arizona. I don't know how sustainable they are, but yeah, they've been playing really great baseball while the Padres really haven't. Brutal. The, yeah. The Padres have been really bad. They're, they're closer 
to the Rockies than they are to any other team. <laughs> yep. Anything else, Jake? Final thoughts? Any rants? I just love I, I just love this team. I really do. I there's something about it that I just really like. I don't know. I don't know if it's the fact that nobody really, you know, thought that, that they did anything this offseason and kind of counted us out in a way. And I don't think we're underdogs by any chance. I mean, we always joke about the sort of the uh, the poverty Dodgers or whatever, you know, I mean, it's obviously not the case. This team is still really, really good. But I just love the fact that they're continuing to kind of be as good as they've always been. I mean, just a really, really sound, solid baseball team. Obviously, it's got they've got their holes, they've got their injuries, just like any other team. But the foundation is so strong right now. And the offense is really surprising me. It's been the one thing where I've just been like, damn. And I mean, it doesn't matter how good or bad the pitching is. The offense kind of just stays the same. No doubt about it. Yeah. Great chemistry. Freddie Freeman looks even better than he did a, a season ago. And I don't know if it's because Jason Hayward's on the team now. So he's got his buddy and they're just, you know, hyping each other up. But like you said, people in the offseason were claiming that the Dodgers were shopping at Walmart. Bill Plunkett, OC register, told me that the Dodgers were being frugal this offseason. I responded with a baller ass response that I, I'll just get into real quick <laughs> where I absolutely owned him. And for like the one time in my life, no one actually disagreed with me. But, <laughs> <laughs> basically, the narrative goes, you know, he, he called the Dodgers frugal. They let 11 out of their own 12 free agents leave. I said, well, guess what, Bill? You forgot they signed J.D. Martinez. And this was January 22nd. Go back to the beginning of this show. You can hear all again how great he's been for the Dodgers. And then I said, Trey wasn't worth $300 million. Look at his stats. I think even Jake would agree that Trey's not been a $300 million player. Uh, I said, J.D. Martinez will be an upgrade. Awful. Just and just bad defense. Just, wor just worse defense than last year for Trey Turner. Yeah. I said, J.D. Martinez will be an upgrade over Justin Turner. I said, yeah, they signed Noah Syndergaard over Tyler Anderson, but that was probably because of the banning of the shift. And both have been bad, so that's a wash. I said, Andrew Heaney is injury prone. He's been fine, but no one wanted him back anyways. Tommy, Canely, and Craig Kimbrell weren't valuable. They've both been bad or useless this season. Chris Martin, I would have liked back. We re-signed Clayton Kershaw. And don't tell me Joey Gallo was worth $11 million. And so far, Joey Gallo has certainly not been $11 million. And I did not mention his name in the tweet because he wasn't worth mentioning, but Hanser Alberto has still been Hanser Alberto. Yeah, I just, I, you just the, all the guys you just listed, I'm like, I don't miss them. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't miss them. I, I didn't hear one name on there where I was like, I mean, maybe Chris Martin. And at the beginning of the season, I was a little bummed about Tyler Anderson leaving. But... Other than that, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, Trey Turner's some of the some of the swings that he's been taking, Javi Baez esque, yeah. not even not even in the same county as the where the pitch is. I mean, it's just it's mind boggling. And I I've, I talked to my friend who's a really uh my my good friend who's a, who's a diehard Phillies fan, 
And I, I was always telling him, I was like, you know, you're going to have Trey Turner's going to be great in the, in the regular season, but come postseason, it's going to be a different animal. You're going to hate him. Well, he hates him now and it's the regular <laughs> season. So I don't know what the hell's going on with him. That contract is going to age so poorly. They might get two great seasons out of him, but what is it? 11 years, 10 years. Yeah. It's going to age like an open carton of milk. Yeah. So bad. I could see that one from two miles away. And the way the Dodgers went out against the Padres losing in four with all these potential free agents said it from the get go, they got to do something. They got to turn over a lot of this roster. And a lot of people were misled and thought, Oh, the Dodgers are just phoning it in this off season. Well, guess what? JD Martinez. That's a win now type of move. David Peralta is starting to heat up. That's a win now type of move. Jason Hayward was a flyer. He's been great. And then rotation-wise, Syndergaard, throw him in the toilet. But they knew they had Gavin Stone, who's going to bounce back. They got Bobby Miller, eventually Pepio Grove. They're fine with the rotation, the bullpen. They're they're getting it together. Dodgers are in a good, good place. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. Please do us a favor if you enjoyed this episode and you've been listening for a long time and you have not written or given us a five-star rating, please do that right now. That'll go a long way. Help us climb the charts, be one of the top Dodgers podcasts remaining out there. And this is Kevin Klein along with Jake Reiner signing out. Go Dodgers. Enjoy the month of June, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.